presence of God transforms lives and heals hearts. Let's learn today truths on how we can access His presence and release heaven into our daily lives. Welcome to Manifest His Presence with your host, Dr. Candace Smithyman. so excited you joined me today. Yes, the Glory Roadshow is going to be amazing because we are going to be talking to fathers today and mothers who have children because learning about fathers is going to help mothers be able to adjust too. So this is going to be a great program. We're going to talk today about how, how to be a father in today's culture. Today's culture is so rough in so many different areas. And so being a strong male figure in your home is very, very important to leading your family. And my special guest today knows all about that. Why? Because he is the father in my house. Yes, I'm so excited today to introduce my husband, Pastor Adam Smithman. He has fathered three of our children. He has been a spiritual father to many. Of course, he was the father of our house at Freedom Destiny Church for 15 years. And so I'm delighted to invite him to come and join us today and to talk about how fathers can impact today's culture. Hello, Pastor Adam. Hi. Hello. To you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad to have you with me today on the Glory Road Show. And of course, I've had the blessing and opportunity to be with you for 33 years and see how you have fathered many, even in the military. Um, as an officer, you spent a lot of time just mentoring, counseling, and encouraging the, the young sailors. And so I'm excited today to have uh, you be a guest on the show and really share about your passion, which is being a father and being a leader, not only in the home, but in the community. Why don't you just share uh, with the viewers today a little bit about that passion that you have and how did that passion uh, get stirred for fathering? Yeah, well, that's, you know, quite a macro level, large encompassing question. And how, you know, how does it get started? I think it's just, I think males instinctively have this in our DNA. I think this is one of the things where you know, we are created in the image of the father. And so I, I don't think it's really anything other than it's in me. It's part of who I am. It's part of who I'm supposed to be. And, and so, yeah, you, 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 as you grow and develop and watch people and, you know, hear what's going on in the world around you, you start to see examples of this good and bad. And, you know, that's, that's, that is what's framed me good, the good of what the earthly fathers have shown in the bad. And then as you develop as a person and learn about the word of God and you, you grasp the reality that he's the ultimate father, you know, then you have to filter everything through the lens of God, regardless of what you see in the natural to see if it's matching up. And if it's not matching up with what the word of God says about being the ultimate father and how he instructs, then you have to change to align it to him. And I think that that is a never ending development. It's constantly emerging. And, you know, every day you get a every moment of every interaction, you get a chance to go, wow, did I, did I, did I align it with God 
and his word, or did I miss it? And and therein gives an opportunity to correct or to go, okay, I and, and reinforce then if you did it right. So I've got some scriptures here about being a father. Let me read some of those because you were talking about the fact that it's important for earthly fathers to line up with who Father God is. That's what's going to truly make the difference. And so um, in, of course, in Luke chapter 15, verse 20, we have the story of the prodigal son, God's heart for his children. But while the young son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. So here's the son that had had sin in his life, forsake for, you know, really forsook his inheritance, took it all and then went and spent it. And then we have the father who's reaching out to him. And, you know, um, that's something that I've noticed about you over the years is that you always have your arms open, but you do want the sons, the daughters to come back to you as a father, whether it be the father of the house, um, whether you're pastoring or even here in our home and to openly confess if they've done something wrong so that there can be restoration of the relationship. And, you know, I think sometimes that's the most painful thing for parents to watch is when they know their kids are kind of going in the wrong direction, but they can't stop it. But yet they have a free will, but yet you, you always allow them to do with their free will, even if it was going in the wrong direction but you were waiting for them to get that realization and then come back. And so share with us a little bit about that. Cause that's obviously the heart of the father, but that's the heart of, of discipline and of training too. Yeah. Um, well, I believe, uh, and, and I think you've witnessed it and I, and I think a lot of other people have witnessed it. And I think for many people, if they don't get a chance to hang around and hear the why behind what, you know, the, why did I do that or whatever, it can confuse people mainly because they've never seen it before. And, and so they went too much with their emotions and their feelings. But I believe a father has to, I, I kind of already mentioned this, a father has to filter every decision through the lens of stewardship. Now, how does that relate to what you just said in the Luke 15, you know, parable of the prodigal? Well, if you feel if a father filters every decision through the filter of stewardship, I believe that is the exact thing that God equated to Adam at the beginning. Stewardship, Adam. Adam, you your you you have a free will, and here's what you have. You have the entire creation I created. I gave it to you to steward. I'm I'm delegating it to you, and and now you take care of everything. And, and there, everything was under Adam's stewardship. It didn't mean everything was Adam's. What am I talking about? There was this one particular tree that God said, you don't, you don't touch of this tree. This is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of, knowledge, uh, the tree of life is here and everything on that you can participate in. But you're to take care. You're to steward everything in this garden, which included the garden of the knowledge of good and evil. But you don't partake of that. Not at this time, you know, I mean, that would imply that there may be a time in the future that Adam was going to get that. But so I believe that's the true heart of God for a father, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> to really be into the heart of God has to steward through that. A father has to never forget that the responsibility and assignment is for the group under his headship. Meaning, so if you're married, 
That means your spouse. And so therefore, that means if a man's married, then his wife has to be taken care of before he is. That like that's the thing. You've got to constantly as the father, constantly as the husband, constantly feel looking at the greater picture and use your stewardship to benefit the group. And it's called it's sacrifice. There's a never-ending understanding here. You you have to so and if you have children which you're talking about the prodigal and, and keeping your arms open. If you have children, you know, a wife and children, then you have to be taking care of that group called a family. In other words, sacrifice for the husband, for the male, for the father is an indispensable quality in the life of a father. And if there's not sacrifice, then you're not doing it right. And there needs to be repentance and acknowledgement of that. And, and I, and, and with that, if that is revealed, you're like, if that is just all of a sudden you're like a, a, a light going off moment, an aha moment in men or anybody that's hearing this or women hearing this about your husband. Because because frankly, well, I don't want to get off on that rabbit trail of what I was just thinking to do. But if that's one of the things that a father has got to understand, you've got to be your you know, this is where Jesus came and turned the world upside down, understanding. He, the world believes that if you're the leader, you're on top and everyone's supposed to cater to you. Okay. No, Jesus turns it upside down. Now the leader's on the bottom, lifting everybody up is the solid foundation. Mm -hmm. And that is very difficult. Constant sacrifice, constantly putting your needs aside for the needs of the family. Mm, that's good. That's good. So then in line with that, what kind of training does a man really need to have in his relationship with God in order to be able to establish that level of being the leader that lifts everyone up, not having this viewpoint? Because the world says, everybody serve me, but you're saying Jesus says, I serve others because I'm the great leader. So what kind of change has to happen to us on the inside or what kind of training do we have to put ourselves through male or female to be able to be the kind of leader that Jesus was? Yeah, well, there it is, isn't it? it and, and really it comes down to an understanding of what soul transformation is. It, it's about, you know, we're a tripart being, we're a, we're, we're a flesh, we have a body that encompasses a soul and the soul is comprised of our mind, will, and emotions. And the other third huge part of our being is our spirit. Now, we have a dead spirit before we know Jesus Christ, before we come to that point of humbling ourselves and asking the Holy Spirit to come and reside in us and, and obeying Jesus Christ and admitting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But so, yeah, you got the book there. That's the book that, you know, we talk about that, Soul Transformation. And so the, the three main qualities or the three main aspects of transforming your soul consist of your mind, will, and emotion. And the, 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 the realities of what drives an individual to their free will, their choices, is their constant, never-ending need for provision, protection, and acceptance. That's in every one of us. And, and so the scriptures give us the understanding of that and the key to that in the garden of eden those are the three things that god revealed to adam that this is what you have now you're you're provided for you're protected and you're accepted well they messed up we're well aware of that 
And ever since then, humanity has spiraled downward. Well, Jesus arrives, God comes in the flesh, and he immediately is thrown into the very same situation out in the desert. And the Satan, in the garden, it was the, the serpent, the Nakash. okay? The Satan it reveals to Jesus and, and shows Jesus, Jesus, provision, protection, acceptance. And those three things are described in the Gospels out in the desert that the Satan tempted Jesus with because he's been tempting man, humans, with that ever since that he started in the Garden of Eden. So in the desert, he does it to Jesus, and Jesus answers him with the word of God and reveals and shows us this is the model now. You're provided for, you're protected, and you're accepted. Regardless of the enemy's attempts to trick you, no. And 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 so that is the the thing that has we have to transform. And so you are well aware of this. Those people that know me and and were with us as we were pastoring those fifteen years. That my favorite scripture is Romans twelve two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and abide by God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. See. You have to understand and begin this transformation and transform your free will choices to align with the word of God. And it's only then, scripture says, that you will be able to see that God's good and pleasing perfect will is, is what it is. It's good for you. But if you don't transform, you're going to see the word of God as harsh, as mean, as you know, so many people today are are inaccurately understanding the word of God and they go, he's a law-driven, judgmental God. Well, here's a key understanding of the word of God. God is that. He's also graceful. He's also merciful. But all of these attributes of God are not going to budge. They're like 100% of each. And we want him that way. But, but our our soul, if it's been hurt, broken, beaten, battered, and we don't transform it to get aligned with the word of God, we'll have a really hard time emotionally and uh, feelings-wise grasping that. So I hope that kind of, you know, you've got to filter it through what the word of God says to transform your, your will, to get it aligned with God's will so that you're on the same heartbeat, the same beat, as the will of God. And that's the prayer Jesus told us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our bread, wet bread so that we align with your, your will be done. Your will be done, God, not ours, your will. And so if we're praying that, how dare we not get aligned with God's will? And if we dare not get aligned with God's word, then guess what? He gives us an opportunity to repent. Just repent and go, I missed it there, God. Please forgive me. I'm acknowledging I wasn't in your will. Let's go again. Let's get back up and get aligned with word of God and aligned with God's will. So hmm. then in line with, with fathers or, or you know, because I believe that there's fathers that are watching us now. They want to know how to be better fathers. They want to know um, how to be able to lead better. So you're saying that having that mindset of turning your will, surrendering your will over to the Lord uh, is going to be one of the key aspects of walking in that greater anointing that God has given fathers. It's turning over uh, the needs for provision, protection, acceptance, and it's 
stepping into that servanthood role. Um, it's going beyond um, how you might personally feel in a moment, um, setting that aside uh, by loving as Father God would love, the ones who've tripped themselves up, the ones who've gotten um, caught in sin. Uh, it's, it's being very strategic uh, in that regard. Can you just share a little bit more with the fathers and I, and the mothers who are watching or women who are watching, this is relative to us too, when it comes to servanthood, you know, having the heart of the father for our children in every respect, but, but elaborate on that a little bit more because, you know, males have obviously testosterone, they get angry. They, they get, you know, put themselves in, in situations where it might be more difficult for them to relent and surrender. You know, what are some of the things that you do or what are some of the things that you can encourage men to do um, to be able to control, have that self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit, which comes from, you know, the Lord working in and through you. What are, what are some things you do or what are some things you can give to men in that area? <laughs> That's a really good and, and very much needed question to be talked about. Uh, realistically, in our culture now, in the Western world, and when I'm talking in America as well, there is unfortunately a severe lack of fathers that hang around in the family. There are single mothers raising children, and it's been going on for a couple of generations now. And we're on, we're re receiving the the fruit of that, which isn't very good. We've re we're reaping what we've sown as a culture, and I believe I believe this with everything in me. The main factor is the lack of fathers raising the generations the last couple of years. So therefore, at this phase here in 2022, we're we're like underneath a rock. Because we have too many people that don't know what it was or what it was like to experience having a father around. And they've, they've developed into the age, the chronological age, and they're fathering children that they're not hanging around and fathering. So they had no example in the natural to show them. Couple that with the lack of understanding of the proper word of God. This creates a a tsunami of just, just a dynamic of chaos. So, um, and there's been such rapid changes going on within our community, right? The cultural paradigms, and it really reflects a test for each, you know, male, uh, each home, each family, each church, right? grounding their doctrines in scripture uh, because they have opportunity for it to be, you know, uh, community minded and, you know, sensitivity of different ethnicities and uh, environmentally conscious. And we see all these things and what we're seeing manifest before our eyes here the last 20 to 30 years is, and we've used this term now the last five to eight years, I think it is, is a woke church. And, and what we're seeing is the woke mentality is failing drastically. It's failing the test of what the, what's going on in our communities. And who suffers? The people, the children, the adults, because of a lack of fathers to stand their ground. And so, you know, you're, you asked about father, what is it? 
you there's a discipline component that cannot be compromised. It's been compromised. And and you you said it, you know, males have testosterone. Males are the the actual entity and the the vehicle God is using to discipline their children. And see, you were asking, you know, they're talking about some scriptures. Well, I love the Luke 15 one, of course, that you talked about. But I think my all-time top-of-the-list favorite fathering scripture is 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. Let me read that. I will be his father, and he will be my son. This is God speaking, okay? It's supposed to be God speaking, Samuel talking, the prophet. But I will be his father. God will be whose father? Like to David, right? And he will be my son, or he's, he's talking to Saul, or whoever you're talking to. When he does wrong, God says, when he does wrong, when my son does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him. Like, people don't get that today. They think, and the woke mentality is, if they see you discipline somebody, if you spank your kid, they want to report you and have you taken away and put in jail or shamed in front of the culture for doing the exact thing that the scriptures, a loving father, Hebrews 12, 6 and 7, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? I mean, and that right there gets the woke mentality the woke church i've seen this people and pastors they will not repent of inaccurate teaching of that they don't think that applies and guess what we're reaping it as a culture now i'm not saying that's the only thing a dad does but it's been the the pendulum in other words has swung like so far to the wrong side of disciplining accurately the the, yes. the helicopter parenting term the the snowflake parenting term that's gone on the last 20 to 30 years. The, the timeout only generation, you know, where they wouldn't discipline, they wouldn't spank, they'd time out. We are, we are seeing the, un, the fruit is very bad of that. It's produced a couple of generations of inaccurate humans that then become teachers and parents themselves that reinforce it and they don't know what to do and you produce an adult that doesn't respect any authority. You know, we see it all throughout our culture. You know, I think to put this into a balanced perspective, you know, um, when a father or a mother has to discipline their children in any, in any way, it's not an enjoyable experience. It's not something that anybody wants to engage in. Um, yet the father and or the mother who's instructed to bring about the discipline at that time, if the father's absent or what have you, or, um, you know, if they, if there is no father around and then there's no disciplining by the mother, you know, you were talking about that, that's disastrous. But, you know, I think we have to know and understand that, that the discipline doesn't feel good to the person that's bringing it about. All right. It's a very, very difficult process. And there's great humility that has to come in the one that is disciplining the one that needs to be disciplined. And um, and when the heart is consistently turned to 
the Father God in the midst of that, you receive the Father's heart to bring about the discipline. That then will subdue the situations and cause the children not to feel as though they were disciplined in an abusive type of situation. I think this is what's wrong with the whole woke culture thing is everything's considered to be abuse and you're victimized. But the fact of the matter is the one who's doing the discipline doesn't want to do the discipline, doesn't want to be the one that um, has to bring about that, um, is positioning themselves to have a humble heart. If you're doing it right, you're positioning yourselves to carry the father's heart to, to create an environment of correction that is going to reap a harvest of righteousness in the child. It's not going to break the child's spirit. It's to create righteousness in a child. And I, and I think, and I, and I really believe this and I've, I think you would attest to it, not to bring your and my situation with our children in, but to, for a, for a spiritual example, father example, or a natural father example, this is one of those very, very, you know, undeniable key aspects that is frankly been missing, but the father has to sacrifice his popularity, in other words, in the short run to do this for the long run. And you know this with our three kids, how they talk about how, you know, and I never will forget because we were a military family and I was gone for 199 days that time uh, in 1999, 2000, my, the last of our five deployments. And when I came back, you know, we, we were, me and you got married, or, you know, and we did deployments, you and I, when it was just you and I, but with the children, I did two of them with the children and they were very small. But the second one in 2000, when I got back and, and our oldest was, you know, she was four, she was six and our youngest was two. And, you know, after we get back into it, cause I had been gone so long, you kind of wait. And about the third week I remember. And I, so I started to Im, Im, impart myself again of, of, you know, the father's here again and how we're going to run the family because it was so it's such a different dynamic change when I'm gone and all these families experience this in the military. And so I was starting to inject myself again for discipline. And and I remember and I kind of raised my voice and give the fatherly voice and the two older ones, the six year old and the four year old had no seen me before. And they're like, oh, my gosh, dad's OK. OK, that means don't mess with him. But our youngest, our two year old didn't obey. And they, I remember the oldest, the six-year-old saying, don't mess with him. He doesn't take this like mama does. And, and I had to discipline her. Are you really, you know what I'm talking about, but that's the concept and you have to, and, 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 and females are not made for this. And there are a lot of females that have had to do this that are quite frankly upset. Just, just they're upset. They're angry because they had to do both roles and they're doing the best they can, but it, they're not made for that. And then that, that frustration and anger off of them goes to their kids through the years because the dad then can show love and, and they look, they, the children look for this. They look for it. They look for the strong authority figure as well as the strong male love. And we, we just yearn for it. And it's not complete if it's missing and it's same with a mother that would be missing and the different aspects she brings. So, you know, and this is some of the things we're talking about that you've heard me say, you know, frankly, biblical Christianity isn't popular and popular Christianity isn't biblical. Thank you for joining Dr. Candice for today's podcast. 
For more resources and weekly prophetic words direct in your email box, go to our website at www.candissmithyman.com, Facebook at Candice Smithyman, or Instagram at Candice Smithyman. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the gospel. Thank you.